I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. The following podcast contains explicit language. Liz, do you want to go in the room? Yeah, just let me put on my makeup first. Okay. What do you have in there? I have foundation. I have blush. I have deodorant. Oh, you have the good deodorant. I have, yes, Derek, Donna, Karen, Cashmere. I have um, mascara. This is hairspray. I have a miniature flat iron, two lipsticks, (laughs) and eyeshadow. Wow. And eyebrow pencil. Are you going to do And perfume. Are you going to put all of that on in the room? No, I'll just put on some blush. (laughs) Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Liz Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A., and with me is my high school friend and writing partner of 18 years, Sarah. That's me, Sarah Fain. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. In this episode, we'll talk about professional crushes, what they are, who they are, and why they're necessary for our own careers. Then we'll talk about why it's okay to be less concerned with punctuality, especially as a parent. This topic gives me anxiety. (laughs) And finally, we'll share a convenient makeup Hollywood hack. But first, an update. In episode 68, we discussed all things Labor Day and asked our listeners if they were defined by our careers. Yeah, and Sarah, Chuck, our producer, pointed out that you may not define yourself by your career, but other people will define you by your career. Right. And we got a lot of feedback from our listeners on this episode. And stay-at-home moms in particular felt that way, it seems like, from the responses that we got, that they were getting judgment, basically, on their job, which is to take care of their kids and their home and their lives, right? They felt like other people would judge them in a negative way for that choice. Yes. um, A lot of women felt that way. So Janet wrote a particularly insightful letter. She said, I'm a 43-year-old stay-at-home mom from suburban Detroit. There are many, many reasons why I decided to quit my job in 2003 to stay home. But despite all of those reasons, I think that the younger version of myself would be surprised to know that I'm still a stay-at-home mom 15 years later. I do craft shows and occasionally face paint at parties for money. I have also tutored and worked as a lunchroom mom on and off over the years. Even so, I totally dread the question, what do you do? because I do not have a capital C career. I was so thrilled to hear Liz refer to her own stay-at-home mom in episode 68 as a hardcore badass. Karen Kraft, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) I have my fingers crossed that my daughters will think the same of me when they reach adulthood. I was also pleased to hear Liz talk about her mom being connected to her father's career and playing a part in that career going well. I strongly identify with this role. Liz, thank you so much for acknowledging the untitled role I and many other stay-at-home moms play 
play. We don't get biweekly paychecks or awards for work well done at the company Christmas party, so it's nice to know that someone sees us and values us for what we do. Janet, thank you so much for that letter. Um, I love that you resonated um, with the idea of my mom, the hardcore badass. (laughs) Um, And um, we do see what you do, so we appreciate you. And thank you for your letter. Sarah, another thing we wanted to mention um, that came up is that in L.A., I think people particularly feel defined by their jobs because wherever you go, like if you're at a party, people are just like, what do you do? What do you do? I think it's because it's an industry town and everyone's trying to move ahead and everyone's sort of looking to see who can help them. And I think it's a particularly hard place to get the question, what do you do if you don't feel like, oh, that defines you? Well, it's that I mean, it's the same thing that Chuck is talking about. You will be defined by whatever you say to the other person. You'll immediately be labeled as successful, rich, not successful, not rich, according to whatever your answer is and also what you can do for them. Yeah. A lot of it in L.A. is like, oh, what can I get from this contact? Absolutely. It's it, it, we're it's a town of opportunists. <laughs> Let's be honest. Uh, (laughs) uh, But anyway, thank you, everyone, for the continuing discussion on this topic. It's just kind of endlessly fascinating. Yeah. Um, Okay. next up, we have professional crushes. We are going to reveal ours. We both have them. Um, But first, an ad break. Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no prep, no mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Last night, I had had blackened salmon with broccoli and with cauliflower rice. It was so delicious. It was the perfect dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash HIH50 and use code HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code HIH50 at factormeals.com slash HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Okay, Sarah, it's time for From the Treadmill Desk Sub, in which we discuss what's most pressing in our work psyches, and today it's professional crushes. In episode 71, we talked about having a nemesis, and we said then, okay, we'll also talk about having a professional crush in an upcoming episode, which is kind of like a nemesis, but adjacent. Um, a ne- nemesis might be conceived, might be perceived as negative, and a professional crush is perceived as positive. So today's the day where we're talking about professional crushes. It needs to be stated: this is not someone you have a crush on. There this is, is not romantic. romantic about this. <laughs> yes. No romance. Okay. So, what is a professional crush in your mind? To me, a professional crush is someone you want to emulate, someone you want to be. It's almost like an idealized version of yourself in a perfect mm, world. Yeah. Um, someone who kind of has something you don't have that you want. Yeah. And to me, what makes a professional crush different from a, me- a nemesis is that a professional crush 
their success doesn't get under your skin. Yeah. You don't see them and like their their presence grates on you. It's like you see them and it's like the heavens open up and you're like, ah, this person, you know, they make you feel aspirational. They make you, you want to emulate them, but they don't make you feel bad about yourself in any yes. way. Yes. And I don't know why someone falls into one camp or the other, um, but they clearly do. I yeah. think if you ask anybody who's your nemesis, who's your professional crush, they'll have distinct ideas. I'm trying to figure out, like, why that is. Like, I'm trying to separate our nemeses from our professional crush, and I can't really, like, I, think, I can't figure that out. I think a nemesis often um, does things that maybe one finds distasteful. Right. You know what I mean? That you don't like the way they conduct themselves in some way. Right. Yet you acknowledge that the way they conduct themselves helps them in their career. Right. It's somehow successful for them. And so it brings up a lot of sort of inner turmoil about, should I be doing that even though it doesn't feel right for me? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that's what makes someone a nemesis, whereas a professional crush is doing everything that you want to do, Mm. is a person you want to be. Right. Someone Uh, you want to emulate. Yeah. And I think that's really the difference. Yes. Um, So, Liz, do you want to share who your professional crush is? Yes. My professional crush is Marty Noxon. We met her first when we worked on Angel, um, the show created by Joss Whedon. And Marty um, worked on Buffy, um, Joss's first show. Amazing show. Everyone should see it. Um, And she worked there. I think she started as a staff writer and she ended up as an EP. She ran the show. Um, And like she's such an amazing writer. I mean, really, she can just write dialogue like nobody's business. And she's a lot of fun. She's vibrant. She's dynamic. She's incredibly successful. I mean, I think at one point she's had four shows on the air. She has un- she had Unreal, Diet Land, Sharp Objects, and Girlfriend's Guide to, to Divorce. Wow. All Maybe not at the exact same time, but within the same year, those four shows were airing. While being an EP on Code Black, I think. Oh, oh yes. She was also an EP on Code Black. Um, and so, like, Marty just does it all. Yeah. And she meets incredible people. And then it's like when you meet Marty, you want to be associated with her. Right. Um, and I think that is a quality I would love to have where we meet with someone and they're like, yes, I want you to tell my story. Right. She kind of radiates a light and you want to be uh, – Within the scope of that light. And she's also very open about her own flaws and vulnerabilities. And I think that really shows in her writing. She Mm -hmm. really can get to an emotional place. I have a really hard time getting to an emotional place in writing. I would say that's probably my biggest weakness, that and writing action. Um, So the two (laughs) ends of the spectrum. Um, And Marty really can hone in on on an emotional moment. and she's an amazing mom um, and has, like, an incredible, seemingly, from the outside, incredible, like, group of friends. So she just kind of has it all, um, but nor does she seem like she's lording that over anyone. She's right. just living her life. Marty, if you're out there, I hope you're listening to this. And if you're having a bad day, Liz will make you feel better. That's right. Just save this episode. Um, now, what about you? Do you have a professional crush? Um, well, I definitely have a professional crush on Marty as well. Um, 
And we talked to one of my other professional crushes, Channing, in episode 69, Channing Uh, Dungey, who's the president of ABC. She's like, I mean, one of the most amazing people I think we've ever met. Yes. And even though we don't want to do exactly what she's doing, um, she embodies um, a lot of qualities that we would like to embody. Yes. She has obviously this incredibly high-powered job, but she never seems stressed about it. Mm -hmm. I'm sure she does sometimes, but she never shows that. She seems like she handles everything so gracefully and with such calm, which I really envy. And she also has what to me appears to be like just this beautiful, happy personal life. And she somehow manages to balance those two things in a way that I deeply envy. Um, You know, it's interesting because one thing my sister always says is it's easy to be heavy. It's hard to be light. Yeah. And we say that about my dad because my dad is very light and, um, you know, buoyant. And we recognize that that's an effort sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I think Channing really, you know, that applies to Channing. You know, I mean, she makes it seem easy. She makes it seem like she's not burdened. But she's got to be exhausted and stressed at times. And she doesn't put that out in the world. And I think that's one of the things that we admire. It definitely, definitely is. And then another professional crush I have who you will identify with is Liz Friedlander. Oh, yes. uh, Director Mm -hmm. um, that we know, Liz Friedlander. She is fabulous in every way. Again, I don't want to be a director on any level, but I do have a professional crush on her. Yeah. And part of it comes just from her sort of comfort in the world mm-hmm. um, and confidence while also being someone who will totally share some, like, horrible experience she had. or yeah. Like, she seems like both a real person and, like, an unattainable icon. Right, right, right. <laughs> I don't know how you do that at the same time, but she does. Yeah, the ability to both, like, be on a pedestal and be knocked off your pedestal at the same time is very appealing. Yeah. So, Liz, we know you listen sometimes. We love you. Yes. <laughs> um, and, Sarah, you also um, you have a crush on Tracy Ellis Ross. I totally do. I just think she's the coolest person. Yeah. She's an actor. She's one of the stars of Blackish, and she is a powerhouse. She also happens to be Diana Ross's daughter. Which is pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone should see the speech that she gave where she talks about being a woman who is not married and who doesn't have kids and kind of the way society kind of puts that pressure on you and how she has just thrown that off Mm. and like embraced her life. I admire her so much. Now, Sarah, I am noticing as we list these people, all of our professional crushes are women. Yes. And our nemeses were men. So what does that mean? I don't know. (laughs) It's interesting. Yeah. I think part of it is, like, if we were going to have a, a professional crush who was a guy, of course, it would probably be Sean Ryan. Yeah. And doesn't that just seem weird? It does. It seems weird to have a professional crush on a guy. Yeah. It, it, it feels, it, yeah, you're right. It just feels like um, it's our sisterhood. Yeah, totally. And, I mean, it's, I'm sure, because we feel we could be them in some way. Right. Whereas we don't feel that with a man. Mm -hmm. There's a barrier there that we're just never going to cross. Right. We can, like, admire Sean and think he's amazing, but it's like... It's just different. Sean is Sean. Yes. 
So it makes sense why our crushes are women. Why are nemeses men? I think because um, we have a resentment that we feel it's easier for them. Yeah. You know, and yeah. that does get under our skin. We see them get away with things we would never get away with, and it rankles us, yeah. and that makes them our nemesis. Yeah. Or our nemeses. It's really true. Not generous, perhaps, on our part, but true. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I want to hear from people. Who are your professional crushes? How do they inspire you? What, you know, what makes someone in your mind a professional crush as opposed to a nemesis? Um, it's just a, it's a fascinating area. And do you have a professional crush that crosses a gender boundary? Oh, I would yes. love to know. Yes. So please do email us at happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Or, of course, you can post in our Facebook group. Just search Facebook for Happier in Hollywood and click to join. And now it is time for Take a Hike, in which we talk about mental, physical, or spiritual health. And today it's mental health. And we're going to talk about why it's good to be less concerned about punctuality, especially as a parent. And I can see Liz, like, across from me being like, it's not, it's not. Yes. Sarah, (laughs) you know, um, I'm fascinated to hear what you have to say about this because this is something you're incorporating into your life. You know, Adam and I fight all the time about punctuality, which we'll talk about. But please tell me how you (laughs) arrived at this conclusion. Okay. Well, I just realized I had a lightning bolt realization One day, as I was trying to get out of the house with Violet, that a large part of the stress in my life Mm -hmm. that is not work stress comes from trying to be on time with a six-year-old. You know, she's very busy. She has classes and birthday parties and all of these things. And I feel this pressure to get everywhere on time. And I can't control her. Like, you know, like... Sometimes it's easy to get out the door and sometimes it's hard to get out the door. And I can't predict when it's going to be either one. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just realized, like, if I just accepted that sometimes we're going to be 10 minutes late, Mm -hmm. I would be so much happier and I would be a better parent. So have you done this? Have you started not being so stressed about being on time? I have. And has it made a difference? It really makes a huge difference. Mm -hmm. My level of frustration has gone down so immensely. Um, You know, it was sort of like several years ago, I decided that I wasn't going to be bothered by L.A. traffic. Right. It's a very similar Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And ever since then, I just am like, yeah, you know, it's traffic. I don't get stressed about it. It it massively improved my life. Mm. Um, So this is kind of the same thing. It's like every single day is better if I'm not so focused on being on time. I mean, this is fascinating because, like I just mentioned, Adam and I fight about punctuality (laughs) constantly because he tends to be late and I really like to be on time. Yeah. Um, And one thing I always tell him is I'm like, you think I'm crazy because I want to be on time, but Sarah wants to be on time. She and I never fight about being on time because we always just know we have to do what we have to do to be on time. And it's just not an issue. I mean, it's one of the great things about our partnership that we both like to arrive to a meeting 15 minutes early. (laughs) Um, Having said that, I get the value of what you're saying in the personal life when there's kids involved. Um, But what I will say is this makes perfect sense if you're going to a birthday party or something like that. 
But, like, if someone's waiting for me at a restaurant, I just, it really bothers me to have someone sitting at a restaurant waiting for me. Totally. And I do want to assure you that this is not in a professional context. I still very much want to be on time or early (laughs) for meetings and pitches and that kind of thing. It's really just a personal thing. And... I totally get what you're saying. It's, I mean, it's a respect thing. Yeah. Really. Like that feeling of other people sitting there waiting for you can be super stressful and burdensome. And it's easier to, for us, for people like us, to just be on time. Yeah. But it's also true that it can create a lot of sort of toxicity in your own family Yeah. Um, it, between you and Violet, between me and Adam and Jack, if there's an inordinate amount of stress put on punctuality. And that's me. Um, I'm the one creating that toxicity. Of course, I would say Adam could just be on time with me, just get not get in the shower five minutes before we're supposed to be somewhere. (laughs) And I wouldn't need to be a hideous nag. So, you know, there's two sides to the story. Yes. Well, and it's different also with a child and an adult. I can, to a certain extent, right. be like, there's a 10-minute window where, you know, it's okay. Whereas with an adult, you really can't control what Adam's going to do. Uh-huh. Well, that's true. I can. And that's what I kind of need to accept. That, um, And what I really should do, if everyone keeps telling me if I care so much, is I should just leave and go somewhere and he can meet me there. Well, that's true. Um, I can't do that with Violet. (laughs) Yeah, you can't do that with Violet. You can't be like, all right, Violet, I'll see you at school. Now, you did say that you have to be on time for the bus for her to get to school. So you're dealing with that by getting up earlier so you're less rushed. Yes. And there are some days when I try and let her sleep in and then we cycle back into like stress and, ah, you know. Um, But if we get up earlier and I have, I just give her and myself a cushion. That's smart. And it does help. So I think, like, the moral of your story is to be gentler on yourself, to recognize you're in a time in your life where you do have a young child, where it is harder to get out, where, yes, she may at the last second have to run in and go to the bathroom when you wish she would have done that 20 minutes ago, and not to just sit there and beat yourself up and beat her up because you're kind of... um, defeating the purpose of having a fun day. Right. And I think as obligers, we especially struggle with this. Mm -hmm. Um, This is, of course, part of Gretchen's Four Tendencies framework. Um, We are people who respond to outer expectations, but not necessarily inner expectations. So we feel that pressure and feel like we have to follow the rules all the time. And it's not necessarily to our benefit. Uh, Like with work, for example, Our friend Bob told us many years ago, they don't remember late, they remember bad. Mm, Yes. (laughs) And we embraced that. And that basically means, like, turn in a script a couple days late if you need to, because those two days will make the difference between, like, this script is a piece of shit and, oh, yay, thank you for this wonderful script. Yeah. They'll remember the great script. They won't remember the two days. Right. Um, And I feel like... This is an example, like, in my personal life of it won't matter that we're 10 minutes late, but the sort of corrosive Mm -hmm. um, element in my relationship with my child, that I'll remember. So better to just be late. 
All right. Well, I'm going to try to incorporate this. Adam will be happy. Although I have to say, in his case, it's not 10 minutes late. It's more like an hour and a half late. But (laughs) that's another story. But I also think that, like, everyone has these things in their lives that cause them stress. Uh So whether it's being on time, whether it's uh, who knows what. Having Having dishes in the sink. Right. Exactly. What is that one thing that you can just let go of that will help reduce your stress level? Yeah, it's improving your life without really doing anything. Yeah. Just by letting go. <laughs> Let it go. Oh, Liz, are you going to sing? No. Oh, okay. Well, coming up, we'll share a work-friendly beauty hack, but first an ad break. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search based on the qualities that are most important to you. Then you can book a free 15-minute consultation call with any therapist you're interested in seeing. So you can get a feel for whether they're the right fit before you commit to a full-length session. Alma also makes it easy for mental health care providers to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of therapists in their directory accept insurance for sessions. So you can find care that's affordable without stressing about the paperwork. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit HelloAlma.com Therapy60 to schedule a free consultation today. That's HelloAlma.com Therapy60. Okay, Liz, now it's time for this week's Hollywood hack. This is something you did, and I copied you immediately. Keep a full makeup bag at work. Yes. I realized, Sarah, that I was constantly, well, uh, speaking of being on time, I want to be on time for work, and I'd be like, oh, my God, I have to do my makeup. I don't have time to do my makeup. I need to get to work. I need to get in the car to get Jack to school. And I decided, you know what I can do? I can recreate my makeup bag at work, and then I will always have access to makeup should I need it. So I got – we get these FabFitFun boxes. Mm -hmm. One of our advertisers is FabFitFun. This is not an ad for them. It just so happens one (laughs) of the boxes had a makeup bag in it, a really cute makeup bag. So I got that. I went to Bloomingdale's, and I just purchased, like – Blush, uh, you know, uh, eyeshadow, mascara, two lip glosses, the whole nine yards. I got everything. I put it in this bag along with a small hairspray um, can, a brush, also um, a a, like travel hot uh, hair iron, you know, flat iron. And I put all this in my bag and I have it like in our office And it is such a comfort to me to know it's there, and I have used it many, many times. I have to say, I did not realize that your bag was so involved. I thought it was just makeup. I didn't know you had a whole hair setup in there. I do. Now, what I need to add is a toothbrush and toothpaste because I keep keep forgetting to bring that. I also have my deodorant. That's key. Yes. It's always nice to be able to freshen up your deodorant. (laughs) You know, if the situation calls for it. Yes. And then I went out and immediately copied you, although all of my makeup, I will say, is from CVS and Sarah. (laughs) And and it's also our um, makeup artist on the pilot who also works on the show. Yes. Gave us this amazing palette of eyeshadows. So I have that in there in my work makeup bag. Yes, I keep that one at home um, because I use it at home. But, yes, he hooked us up with some great uh, makeup. So what I love about this, Sarah, is that 
if we have a meeting arise, which sometimes happens with executives, um, we can do our makeup. Yeah. And it, it puts less pressure on to do it in the morning because you know, okay, at the drop of a hat, I can get some mascara on my face and I don't have to feel like I have to get it on at 7 a.m. And um, what is nice is that we are so comfortable with our writers that we will put on makeup in the room. Yes, we have done breaking that. story. <laughs> and we're not putting on makeup in our car, which is for sure good. That's a thing Mary said she does. Yes, that's distracted driving. Yeah. Don't put on makeup in the car. Listen um, to a podcast instead. Yeah, we just want to tell everyone this has made our lives better, easier, less stressful. And, I mean, it's gotten us, you know, looking better for those impromptu <laughs> meetings. So we encourage everybody to do what we did. You can, you know, you can just... Use any old bag. You could even just use something you already have Mm -hmm. and get that makeup to work. And that is it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. Email us or send us a voice memo at happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and please subscribe if you haven't already. Thank you to our amazing producer, Chuck Reed, and everybody at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sancola Sound. Thank you to the awesome ad team at Panoply. Thank you to our assistant, Mary Merkins, for helping us with the insanity of our lives. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at S. and Liz is at Liz Craft. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join in on the conversation. Until next week, I'm Liz Craft. And I'm Sarah Fain. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. Sarah, you really may want to go to Bloomingdale's and just up your makeup game a little bit. It just makes it make you feel more professional. What do you do? You just like go to a counter? Yeah. Go to the Chanel counter and say, I need makeup. I mean, do I have to go to the Chanel counter? Can I go to a cheaper counter? (laughs) Go to any counter you want. (laughs) 